0: Welcome to Behind the Menu. In this episode, I interview Emma from Hayden Flower Mills. While Behind the Menu's focus is interviewing your town's baker or pastry chef, I didn't want to just limit it to that. I wanted to be open to interviewing the people who are behind, behind the menus, if that makes any sense. I wanted to be open to interviewing people who create the ingredients or farmers or harvesters we bakers use day in and day out. I was in awe learning more about the flour that sits on my counter as well as hearing the personal story of how Hayden Flour Mills came about. I would honestly say that if you have ever used flour in your whole entire life, then this story is for you. You don't have to be a baker to appreciate Emma's story. I have used a couple of your flowers, and I absolutely love them, and I love working with them, and I love your branding, and I've read a little bit about your story, but I would love to hear um, how Hayden Flower Mills got started.
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for using our product, too. That's always, it's still very um, surreal and, I don't know, humbling. Like, every time someone says they use my flower, I just yeah, I, I just don't believe it still, so it's thank you. Um, yeah, so the, but there's a few different ways to tell the story of how we got started, um, and one is the historical story, so Hayden Flower Mills is a historical mill in Tempe, Arizona, and that's started in 1874, it was like the longest-running business in, um, in the state for a while, so there's kind of that aspect. That's like the local story. Um, and then the more like personal family journey story of um, my dad getting interested in baking and heritage flowers and, um, and that, that story. So I don't know, I can tell both <laughs> or either one or. Um, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I mean, it kind of, I mean, it seems like you kind of gave like a brief history of like back in like 1874 which is kind of crazy but I'm sure uh, though your personal story will kind of coincide a little bit with Mm -hmm. the okay yeah so I would love to hear like how you personally you and your dad got started
1: yeah um well so you bake right you do like sourdough Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's what I've mostly used um actually a majority of the time that I use your flour Mm -hmm. I do a lot of sourdough bread but just recently I saw the pasta flour Mm-hmm. Um, and I got that and I made pasta and it was really delicious. And that's a, actually the first time that I personally have made pasta. So.
1: Oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. It's a fun, yeah. ch- I feel like it's, that's a great like challenge one. Cause you're just, it looks so hard and then you make it and you're just like so proud of yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was delicious too.
1: Yeah. Um, we teach a pasta class at the mill. We do a bunch of classes, but the pasta one is one that I teach and, I, it makes me so happy because we usually have 12 people that have never made pasta before really, you know, just never, um, or made bread or, you know, just very new to the, to the kitchen. And then they end the class having made like three different kinds of pasta and we eat them and, um, they're always so amazing. And it's, yeah, I just, it's really fun (laughs) to teach that class, but, um, yeah. Back to the story of Hayden flour Mills. Um, so my dad is, is also just a hobby hobbyist baker, but yeah, you know, just like my family's very into tinkering with food. Um, and I think hospitality is sort of one of our like family characteristics. So um, yeah, so we got really into baking bread and then, you know, you kind of get into something like that and you keep refining and getting deeper into it and that leads you to ingredients and how can you make better ingredients and more flavorful and interesting ingredients so um, I'm sure yeah just like you you kind of like start finding these other grains. but at the time it was like 10 years ago um, all these heritage varieties just weren't available anymore and so yeah I think it's kind of kind of what we were experiencing here and our little our little story was happening a lot of other places at the same time. So the timing was really good for um, reviving these old varieties of grain, like other people were starting similar projects across the US. Um, so we worked with a seed saving organization here in, in Arizona that's in Tucson called Native Seed Search. And they're really cool if you um, ever, you know, like a, visiting a seed bank is so inspiring.
0: Um, Yeah. I've never heard of one. So what, (laughs) first of all, what I am not completely familiar with, like different types of flowers. So what is heritage flower? And then, yeah, yeah, if you seed bank or seed saving sounds like something I could like kind of understand what it is, but if you want to like further expound on that, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So um, there is this whole movement to kind of save these old varieties of seed because modern agriculture has you know, really replaced and narrowed down the varieties that we're planting, not just in grain, but, you know, across all the foods that we eat and even animal breeds. And um, we've just lost a lot of biodiversity. So there is this movement like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose all this biodiversity. We need to save it. So seed banks started this one in, in Tucson is particularly devoted to like our southern, you know, southwestern, Seeds mm-hmm. and native foods, uh, so that's their focus. But um, yeah, so it's a really great mission because you like lose the you if, once you lose that biodiversity, it's gone, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they had um, saved um, this seed called White Sonora wheat, and it had been very popular in in like northern Mexico, Sonora desert. Southern California, so that's that's why how it gets its name, the Sonoran Desert kind of area, and so they, we worked with them to kind of okay, they had some seed stock, and we used that initial seed to plant ten acres of white Sonora wheat, and that was like our first heritage crop that we grew and just to see how it would work. <laughs> no. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was that was really fun. Um, it's not an indigenous. wheat's not native to Mm -hmm. the U.S., it's not an indigenous crop, but it it came over in the 1600s, so it has sort of, like, you know, it had been adopted and has its own little, took on its own food history here. So, um, yeah, so we were part of helping to bring that back. Um, There's a lot of, you know, other people, of course, working on it at the time. It wasn't, like, our own single-handed project, but... It is cool to see 10 years later that white sonora wheat is um, pretty widely available. It's still a unique variety, but um, like some of the really, well, actually one of the biggest mills in the country like now um, grows it and it's like, oh, this seems like a really cool wheat. I think we should do this too. So (laughs) yeah, So they've kind of taken on this mainstream life, which I don't know, good or or bad, I'm not sure, but
0: (laughs) yeah. So okay, so you guys went and you wanted to find better ingredients, and then you found this uh, seed saving place, and then you planted. You said how many acres? Ten acres?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So ten acres. um, Uh Got a friend with some land, um, Steve Sossaman, and he grew this first crop for us. And we got a mill from from Austria. It's kind of like a popular mill in for like boutique small millers it's the oste roller it's really beautiful it's like all this white or light colored um tyrolean pine and you guys still have it right we we've actually that we've moved on we've had two mills since that one we outgrew it um sadly we and we also just like destroyed the thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) we used it like so much um but (laughs) Yeah. It's such a, it's so beautiful. And, um, but yeah, it was like just the perfect size to get started. And so we had the local crop that we grew and we had the mill and then we worked with a chef here, um, Chris Bianco, and he's kind of our local celebrity chef, you know, our James Beard award winning chef. So he kind of helped us get started. We started to put our mill on the back of his restaurant, which is really, really generous of him. Um, yeah, so that was kind of okay. We kind of all had all the three pieces and started making flour. And at that point, it was still very much this hobby, you know, just my dad wanting cool flour to bake with, and just very experimental. We were just learning a lot at that time. Um, and Chris was using it in some of his bread, and then kind of slowly turned into a business, which is funny. We didn't. I don't know. We just we're not very like business savvy. We still aren't very business savvy, but somehow the timing of it and the just general interest in better ingredients for bread, you know, at that time. So, and it's just, I think it's just grown, but yeah. So then I, at the time was working on a PhD in neuroethics and, um, as you could probably just tell from the name neuroethics, like so boring and terrible. Um, so I quit, (laughs) um, And, um, started just helping my dad and like teaching, I was teaching biology at community college. It was like a rough time of life, but, um, (laughs) yeah. And then, yeah, so I just kind of, I, I, I fell in love with it. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is the dream job. I never knew that I wanted, like, I didn't know how, um, creative food could be. Yeah. Um, That was always something I wanted, a creative job and yeah and then running a business
0: and being your own boss
1: is pretty great (laughs) yeah well I mean I work with my dad but I don't know I guess
0: what um first of all your dad's hobby is a very dedicated hobby what was your dad doing during this time of like hey why don't we just get 10 acres and just grow some wheat
1: yeah so and he he's he still has his day job um for me, um, really? this, yeah, <laughs> the mill is like my my livelihood. Well, not really like, yeah, livelihood is generous, but my <laughs> <job>. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, my dad still has a day job. So it's always it still is very much his hobby um, still and he still bakes bread and is always experimenting into a new, um, you know. Bagels, pretzels, whatever. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like you could relate. I'm not. I'm not as adventurous with my like sourdough baking, (laughs) but I feel like once you kind of get the bug, you're like, okay, what can I do next? uh, Yeah.
0: Exactly.
1: Or or, yeah. So yeah. So he still yeah um, has a day job, and I um, do more the the day to day operations of the mill. But yeah. So that's kind of the Story, but it's funny just that we it's we're going into our eighth year. Um, so yeah, that story is just it
0: feels kind of old, like it's like oh, that's yeah. a
1: long time. Well, it's talk. like
0: <laughs> it's barely new to me since I just like discovered your product like mm-hmm. maybe like six months ago, and I looked. I was first of all your branding like I said is just so beautiful. And so I was like first drawn in by that whenever I saw it on the shelf at a grocery store um and then I picked it up and I was like actually I really really like this once I started using it and then I started reading about you guys and I was like this is a small business. Like I think sometimes there's a misconception like if something's on a grocery store and they're not within, like, your neighborhood or your community that yeah. they you're not tangible, you're not a local business. But I was reading about you guys, and I'm like, this is – it feels like a family business, and they're still small. Yeah. So yeah. would you agree with that? And I think – how yeah. many people do you have on staff?
1: Um, we have two full-time and then, like, four part-time. Yeah, so we're still very small on, like, one, one miller – um we just yeah we just kind of started hiring more help which is awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a it's like this whole new kind of chapter I think of our business like you know in other food businesses I always kind of get a little jealous like if you want to make a new salsa you can just go and like Buy, some tom- you buy tomatoes, you can buy the ingredients, you know, you can source them, like, they're readily available, and there's a ton of co-packers that can put your recipe in a jar, like, but when we decided to do these heritage grains, you know, we had the mill, but we didn't have the ingredients, like, there was nowhere to go and get, like, white sonora wheat or red fife, so mm-hmm. we had to, like, go find some seed, then we had to plant it. We had to teach the farmers how to plant heritage grains It to find, you know, find the farmers that were willing to take the risk. And, um, yes, yeah, so I feel like it's just, it was like the first five years were just waiting waiting <laughs> the whole, yeah, the whole infrastructure, like we had to build the thing before. We could. And so, yes, yeah, so our product, I feel like now we have this, we kind of rebuilt The local green economy which that's kind of a term um you'll hear a lot and with like small flour mills is people are really focused on these local grain economies that have been destroyed by large agriculture and um modern mills so yeah so i feel like that's been kind of our focus and that so that's really fulfilling like we we have we reestablished our local green economy now you know, now it's kind of, now we can start making these cool products. But yeah, we're still still a really small family company. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what has it been like working? You said your dad still has his day job and it's kind Mm -hmm. of his hobby. He probably can come in whenever he wants and make bread, whatever he wants to do. Uh, But how is it like working with him? Because I assume that you kind of have to work with him.
1: Yeah, it's so much fun. I'm, I feel so lucky that we have a great relationship and it was always like a dream to have a business with my dad. Um, my other, I have four other siblings and they just live other places. So I'm always trying to get them to come (laughs) work for the business. I'm like, this is is so great. But, um, yeah, we get along really well. He, he really treats me like a business partner, which is, um, you know, that's really great. And, yeah, and we just were, um, we have a lot of fun with
0: yeah.
1: it. There's just, we can be so creative, and um, we're always tinkering, and like, oh, let's make pasta, and like, okay, you know, you just kind of get onto these side projects, and they never, a lot of them never see the light of day, but <laughs> it's just so fun to, like, oh, for a while, he was, like, pickling wheat berries to, like, see if he could preserve them, and Use all these pro- these food products that never never worked, but some of them did. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of back and forth. I always tell people I love working with my dad because I can be like really honest.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind
1: of like that is a stupid idea, or I've never doing <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> and then when, then when he's right, I can be like, "Oh, you're right, Dad." You know, it's just like a freedom that's really nice. And um, yeah, and, and he's. He's a lot of fun, um, but yeah, he wants to. When he when he retires, he wants to just like I want a rocking chair and a dog, and I'm gonna sit out at the mill and just tell stories.
0: <laughs> that sounds
1: awesome. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> so different types of products. I um, just saw that you guys have crackers, and you were just featured by the New York Times. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, and the cracker flavors are like awesome. But you like partnered with someone. I don't. Do you want to kind of explain the crackers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the crackers again. This is one of my dad's crazy ideas that I was like, oh no. What? Yeah. So he, we started doing crackers a few years ago, kind of by accident. Um, Italy. Have you ever have you heard of Italy or been to any? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like it's. I don't know. It's like Disneyland for foodies, but um, they had contacted us about bringing in some of our White Sonora heritage grain products because they do a lot with slow foods and arc of taste and kind of the same idea of like preserving biodiversity in the food system and um, and like artisan ways of making food. So um, that's kind of how we got connected. But we realized in working with them that you know, some of our white snore products would be great on their shelves, but what they didn't have was crackers. So my dad made a bunch of crackers. I was going to New York to visit my sister. And so I put all these crackers in my suitcase and went to the Italy offices and sold them my crackers <laughs> <laughs> and they loved them. And then when we went back home, I was like, dad, they love, they love the crackers. They want to buy them. But like, how, we don't have crackers. how are we gonna make it? <laughs> Like, and he's like that's just how we do things. We just like jump head first like yeah like don't worry like we'll figure that part out. Um, yeah, so we there's a cracker bakery just down the street from us. Luckily, I don't know if he knew that or that was just luck but um, yeah so that we started sending them our flour um, came up with a really simple recipe that was just about the grains, which that was another like thing, you know, you kind of, all the crackers you see have flavors and cheese and spices. And um, our idea was just to have these heritage grains. So like a farro cracker, red fife, um, bluebeard durum, which is a heritage pasta wheat and white Sonora. So they're just four, the flavors are the wheat, which is, you know, really different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we decided to do that, get people to actually taste the different flavors of these grains and kind of get excited about that idea of the grain having a flavor. Yeah, so we started making the crackers and they have become our best seller, <laughs> which is it, it's exciting. It's like a little depressing because you, know, you yeah. have the farro flour to be popular but yeah those things are there's a lot of you know enthusiasts sourdough bakers but not quite enough yet so um yeah so having a ready-to-eat product ended up being a really good pivot of our company Uh, we still do all the flowers we do you know wholesale to restaurants and all these specialty flowers and pasta flowers and you know um but yeah, for the retail, the the ready-to-eat has become, you know, the crackers, the snacking has become really, really great. And it's a great, like, gateway to heritage greens. And then a year ago, um, one of our food friends, New York Shook, they do Moroccan, Israeli, Middle Eastern spices. Um, and we'd met them because they make couscous and they used our heritage um, Durham's to do that, they do like hand couscous, which I've never actually had because they're in New York, but sounds so amazing, like fresh, handmade, steamed Whoa. couscous, but, um, but they also do these spices, um, so we were connected to, the, to them, I'm selling them our semolina and Durham wheat, but yeah, they approached us about doing a collaboration with their spices into our crackers, and um, yeah, it took a year, and we just launched them. And they're made with harissa um, mm-hmm. flesh, which is like a Yemeni curry, and um la-tar, which is like a thyme um sesame spice. So yeah, they're all really different, really good. Um yeah, and then we yeah, we gotta mention the New York Times, which is so exciting. That was like <laughs> I was like, okay, we're good now. We're done.
0: <laughs> so you've been in your eighth, you're done. Um, we're closing up. Um, yeah. So you've been, you said this is your kind of like your eighth year of oh. doing this, and you were just finished by the New York, New York Times. Have you guys, um, has there been other moments throughout this time period that you've been featured other places where it's just kind of like you like wipe a single tear away and you're like, oh, they noticed?
1: <laughs> well, probably the biggest one was Martha Stewart.
0: Um, oh,
1: wow. <laughs> yeah, we got, we had a big feature in magazine we won this contest um she doesn't do it anymore it's called american made and she was like highlighting um american made crafts and yeah so we uh, it was like 2014 i guess now and we won uh it was like one of 10 winners that year and but the the prize was crazy it was like ten thousand dollars and then they flew oh, no. you out so they, like, flew out our whole family. <laughs> they had this amazing party where they, like, made stuff with our grain. And and everyone else, you know, like, it was, yeah, I mean, Martha Stewart threw a party. Yeah. Amazing. But, yeah, that was really fun because it was a few years in just, you know, you just work so hard to build a business. It feels like what's the point sometimes. But, um so, yeah, that was kind of the first time we stopped and really got to celebrate and um, felt, yeah, like, oh, like, Martha Stewart likes our flower. That's so cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but, you know, that stuff, then it all blows over and you have to keep, you have to go back to working hard and <laughs> making a quality product. so Yeah. Was, Gotta was, keep going. Yeah, it was a fun
0: celebration for sure. And,
1: yeah, um, and that's, that was good. So good.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just saying, and then did you get, like, a lot of, uh, like, more people? Did they, like, reach out to you after that?
1: Oh, yeah. That was a huge turning point, I think, in our business. Um, and we, that's when we uh, was, re- was in the middle of, like, doing the whole rebranding and repackaging um, stuff. Yeah, so just kind of our, we sort of, yeah, we kind of had a, that was, like, another stage of our business. And we had a lot more national interest after that too so you know we kind of started out thinking oh we're just gonna sell flower in Arizona uh, and then someone kept bugging us about putting our stuff online doing online stores so okay well did, we did that and then and then it yeah so we just kept I don't know we we couldn't quite survive as a business just selling in Arizona even though that's a really nice principle mm-hmm. um, and I think we're we're kind of going to return to that, not that we won't sell outside the state, but really focusing on feeding our, our community now that we have, we're a little
0: more established and stable. So. Yeah, so that was um, another question I had written down. So you're in Queen Creek, is that what it is? Queen Creek? Yeah,
1: yeah. Queen
0: Creek, Arizona. Um, I keep, in my mind, I keep saying like Queen City. Um. So Queen Creek, Arizona. So why... Queen Creek Arizona and what makes it special like what does your town mean to you
1: yeah um well yeah so the historic Hayden Flower Mills was in Tempe and that's where Arizona State University is kind of taken over and the old mill is just sort of falling down and so we didn't when we restarted the brand Hayden Flower Mills um, we didn't, re- we didn't do anything with the old historic building. Um, mm-hmm. so we just kind of, we, yeah, we kind of went back to the original history of, of the start of that mill and the stone milling and the grains they would have been using, but we didn't, yes, we didn't Sorry. use the old building, but, um, so we ended up starting in the back of Pane Bianco, which was one of Chris's restaurants in downtown Phoenix. And then we outgrew that space. It was so, so tiny. It was like, I don't know. It was like a little closet, basically. <laughs> um, and only one person could be in there at a time. Oh, so gosh. That and then, so our farmer, um, Sossamon Farms, they, I don't know, it was just a funny thing. We finally were like, you know, I wonder, like, it kind of makes sense for us to be on the farm where our grain is being grown. Um, but it took a while for us to get to that idea. Um, but because they are so far out. So Queen Creek is like, I live in downtown Phoenix, It's an hour to the east, so it's it's very, it's still kind of a rural, being developed area, so a lot of farmland still, so beautiful, um, and a little more peaceful out there, and yeah, so then we, um, the farmer redid a barn for us, and we moved out to the farm, and it just, I don't know, it just made so much sense, and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, we have, like, the grain and the mill, and we started bringing people out for tours and doing classes and um, and then the farm zoned part of the farm as agritainment, which is, I guess, one of the first, it's like agritourism, agritainment, all that stuff. So it's, you know, about education and like bringing to people out to where their food comes from. So he kind of, the farmer now has this vision of creating this educational site for all things grain. Um. So, yeah, like, there's a mill, so maybe someday there'll be, like, a brewery and a bakery and anything else you could make with grain. Um, but, yeah, so that's – so, Queen Creek is kind of a bit of a, like I, – I don't know. It's not – I'm still getting to know it. <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah. to, to out to it. I, I, I always say I'd never live out there, but I who knows? I feel like <laughs> I said never, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, but yeah, it's a really beautiful place. Is it? There's a lot of other like agritourism sites out there as well. Um, so it's a great, yeah, great space for education. It's still very, it looks like a farm, you know, like there's still the broken down tractors everywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, but the wheat fields are literally in front of our mill building, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean that, it was so fun to bring, people out for tours and like here's the grain and then you know and then we have pasta equipment so we would do these tours where it's like here's the here's the grain here's the mill we're gonna make pasta extrude it eat it
0: like yeah so that for like a person who like only like hasn't like really thought about like, how it operates or how it works, I'm sure that there's just such a more of an appreciation for what they're doing. And then also just such a better understanding, like you said, like that their tour is like, specifically for that. But man, I feel like once you do it, then you're like, eating the pasta, and then like, standing in front of the wheat. That's, yeah. it's crazy. I'm sure it's like a surreal experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, wheat on its own is not all that exciting. Well, I think it is. I think it endlessly fascinating but but everyone like loves pasta and loves fresh bread you know so that's Mm -hmm. I think that you know just when you taste that and you're like oh this is really
0: good This flavor, wow like and then yeah so well I think that wheat looks very beautiful so (laughs) um yeah how many types how many types of wheat are you growing now so
1: we grow um We've kind of yeah we still we don't experiment as much as we used to which is too bad we need to get back to that because there's still thousands of varieties of wheat you know heritage varieties that have not been grown out and recovered but um, we grow white Sonora still that's like our main kind of flagship grain it has you know those roots in the Southwest so it really we can really tell that local story mm-hmm. um, red Fife which is more it comes from a uh, heritage grain that comes via Canada really nice bread wheat um because higher protein and, and we do purple barley and bronze barley um faro which is a 2,000 year old you know plus the an ancient grain um and then einkorn we just started doing which is pretty fun um have you ever cooked with einkorn or
0: no, I don't even know if I've heard of it. How, what is it again?
1: Oh, einkorn is like um, a very early variety of wheat. So it's, it's kind of back with like faro and um, what, what would have been kind of bred to make modern wheat. Um, so like all, all people have gotten, you know, you got like the heritage grains and then you're like, well, let's go back even further. Like, you know, I think there's sort of this idea that what people ate a long time ago must be even better for you so there'll be people that like don't they'll only eat einkorn um they won't eat other types of grain but um yes yeah, so it's a really tiny kernel and it takes a lot of processing to um clean it and stuff so it's a little harder to work with but um yeah just um different flavor and um then we do um, oh, Bluebeard Durham, which is one of our favorite heritage Durham wheats that we that we do um, use for pasta and also bread. It makes a nice bread. Um, and uh, we did a Rouge Bordeaux this year just to try it out. we go rye. Um, yeah, but we actually, we've kind of gotten out of the growing um, part of like getting this local grain economy going we our farmer put in this great grain cleaning system and that can do small grains and and so we're able now to um kind of just focus on the milling whereas when we first started we did a ton of like sourcing the seed and getting farmers to grow and helping them arrange combines and we are just involved in every aspect of the process and um and cleaning too we 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 have to clean all our grain as well like batch by batch before we milled it and that was that was I'm so thankful we don't have to do that anymore
0: (laughs) (laughs) the beginning stages of everybody's life of (laughs) business I'm sure there's always something like that so how many maybe you know maybe you don't know the answer but I'm sure you do so how many types of grain are there that probably like haven't been revived
1: oh yeah thousands
0: that's crazy. How oh, do you just, de- how do you decide, like how do you go into these seed saver locations and decide which one to bring back to life?
1: Yeah. Some of them, like the work was already done, you know, that people have kind of, had kind of other feed and th- wheat and, th- and th- had already sort of phrase. but um, I think Bluebeard Durham was really the only one where we started from that handful of seed and really kind of um, fell in love with that variety. And but yeah, um, I don't, that's a really good question. How we, I mean, we've had varieties that we've grown that we thought were really cool. And then chefs didn't like them. They, you know, with the blueberry Durham, we grew another variety and, over the years, we're like, well, okay, the chef's like the bluebird Durham, so we'll drop the other Durham, and I'm, you know, I think I feel like every wheat has, you know, something that they're good for, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not. It's just hard, I think, to. We have a long way to go in sort of this fight against monoculture, so. I guess our strategy has been, okay, let's focus on these um, handful of heritage screens. And so a lot of our retail products are all based on those, like the crackers, the farro, the red fife, the white sonora, and the bluebird durum. Mm-hmm. And those get repeated. So you have like white sonora flour, white sonora pancake mix, white sonora crackers. Um, so kind of familiarizing a mainstream audience with just a handful of these heritage greens, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like they, they probably all have a, a great use and sometimes they just don't grow well in Arizona. So mm-hmm. those ones we don't end up keeping, but
0: yeah. This is also fascinating to me, and as a person who, like, makes a living from baking, and I know that there's, as I'm, like, wanting to, like, interview more people who bake, yeah. just, I, I just want to be, like, do you know all of this stuff? Like, we, we all talk about, like, do you know your product, or do you know, like, the quality uh-huh. that it is, and so it's just, like, mine, I'm, like, my mind is blown right now, just, like, thinking <laughs> about, like, do I, the next time. Like I use flour all the time. Flour and butter yes. is like my main ingredients and just like understanding it and Yes. It's crazy. Man.
1: Yeah, flour, I know. It 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 for me it when I it went from this just like flowers, flour, to like this whole nuanced thing and like all these grains. Like on our tour we'll have all the grains, you know, in jars and they like all different colors and sizes and um there's just I, I do I just think that's really compelling and, and very fun, and yeah, so then after that, you're like, you can't just have plain old flour. <laughs> that's that's what, boring. Yeah, so boring, and it doesn't, like, smell like anything, and it's you have to, yeah, it, it's sort of just, like, this base, like, substance, and then you add all the flavor to it, you know, or, yeah, but I mean, I there is a place for like consistent yeah I don't know they have a yeah. long list, yeah. like industrial, yeah. industrial flour is just it become it's yeah we become very used to it so yes yeah. um, it's hard to go to stone stone milling is makes such a different product and that's a really hard hard thing and the, yeah it's just two different flowers which is I always makes me a little bit nervous like I like when people say they use our flour and they love it. I'm like, oh, phew, because sometimes a stone milled product really throws people off
0: because it's not, it's not know. what they're used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I feel like if people understand that and like what you're saying right now, I'm like understanding how to use the product like you would with any ingredient. Mm-hmm. You would, would you would learn it what it does. The like if you are a baker or a chef, even like you look into your ingredients and how they operate and how they work. And so, yeah, it, to me, it just makes sense. Like, I don't think that you have to like shy away from it and be like, this is what it is. And of course it's going to be different. It's mm. this is why it's different. And it's wonderful that it's different. And it has history to it. So you kind of touched on it already a little bit, but to you, why is it so important to keep this old tradition of farming of wheat alive?
1: Um, well, I think it all comes back to flavor and, and I, maybe more than, more than just like flavor, like it tastes good. Um, but like that satiety, like it's filling and fulfilling, like, um, to have that radical transparency, know where your ingredients, where your food comes from and to feel very like full and and no it's just a very simple simple thing but like making pasta from this wheat that you know that we've stone ground and then like feeding it to my family and it it's just so simple it's like a tuesday night i'm just like we're eating like kings you know like mm-hmm. this, is the, this is the best food but it's it's nothing like fancy but it is in a way it's like um, it's so real and it's um, and it just tastes good in a simple simple way and it's filling it's nourishing um so I think yeah so that that's really one part of it is just a simple like I love how it tastes and yeah you feel. Um, yeah um yeah I don't know biodiversity is so important like talk all about farming practices and water use like we try to grow grains that are arid adapted you know um water use is a big big deal in Arizona we're I don't know what's gonna like we're just not in a good position with our water um and yeah so having crops that that do well here that um I think it's important that we feed ourselves I love that your podcast is focused on you know, community and these like smaller these people that are working to, you know, that are like the neighborhood heroes, like they're making bread for their community and mm-hmm. their neighborhood because I think that's sort of, you know, the secret of, I don't know, like, we're just, we need to feed ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know, biodiversity is so preserving these greens. like, I think we would just be, yeah, we'd be lacking without them. We'd, we'd have, we wouldn't have, you know, colors for our palette without them. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But yeah, there's so much more to do in this area, but we, got, we have a good start, I feel.
0: Yeah. Okay. So being in, this is, you said your eighth year. Mm-hmm. How has your personal character grown or changed being in this industry, being a farmer now? Oh, hmm.
1: well, okay, I wouldn't call myself a farmer. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you work with a farmer who grows yeah, it for yeah, you.
1: I got to give credit to the farmer. Yes. A lot of work. And there was one year we we did the harvest because I don't know why the farmer was gone. And it, it was June. It's so hot here. We still, I still complain about it. It was like one summer three years ago and I'm still like mad about it. So I don't think I'd last very long as a farmer. But um yeah, miller maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think I don't know. I really found myself in this business. I I um have, have grown a lot as a business person. That's been um the business side of it, it's been really exciting and um I've loved learning that that side of things. Um you know I I used to mill I used to do the milling when we first started and that was probably only a year until I hired a miller and um and then all of a sudden you're like, oh like you're managing people and um so there's it yeah it kind of turns into a lot of just running a business at the end of the day. I love um I think, like, creatively getting to just try things out, you know, do the rebranding and, like, kind of go with my intuition. Milling wheat has been a lot more fulfilling than being in academia. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know, like, becoming a mom is probably more, you know, in the scheme of things. Like, I probably could have said more about the business influencing my character until I had kids. <laughs> and then, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the major life event that, changes you
0: forever so yeah I actually was thinking today I was like staring at a wall while my child slept and I was just (laughs) thinking like I'm not the mom that like I envisioned that I like I would be and so yeah being (laughs) being a mom it's definitely built my character and I mean you have you you said your oldest is three so you have a couple (laughs) years ahead of me but (laughs) I'm like man I know (laughs)
1: I'm like, oh, 16 months, that was the easiest stage, but it's not easy when it's when you're in it. But yeah, I I think it also like puts, it's like, I'm working for my family now, which is a really great feeling too. you know, like, I want to, I want to create something I want to, um, not like necessarily hand the business down, but just like, I want my kids to see me working hard. And, um, yeah, so it kind of just shifts my perspective, also wanting more balance, <laughs> not, not, um, doing it for my family. So not at the expense of my family. So kind of cutting back with the crazy workaholic, um,
0: nature of starting your own business. Yeah. Yeah. That's such uh, that's such great advice too. Um, those are definitely like tendencies that I have. And I've like tried to learn, I'm like, how can I do something, that I, like, want to do personally, creatively, but at the same time, like, be there for my family. So, I mean, if anything, at this point, I, you, that's definitely, like, spoken to me of yeah. do something for your family and not just at the expense of it. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> I'm
1: still figuring it out. It's still awesome. <laughs> I, I, I love both things, so, well, yeah. yeah, I have no deep wisdom, but, yeah. So, do you,
0: do you, um, is baking your your job... Or um, yeah, I've made it my job over the last oh. like few yeah. years and um, okay. working in, like, different cafes and stuff. And then yeah. just recently, like, venturing out trying to do something for myself, but also being in a new state where, like, no one knows who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's always difficult. And I'm sure that maybe you guys, like, went through the same thing when you, like, first started and you were like, hey, we have some new flour. Like, h- I guess how was that, like, going into, like, a business with, like, your brand new product, like, way back when – like yeah. getting people on board, like getting restaurants, and I guess yeah. this can also tie into another question I had: is do you have other restaurants? I know you mentioned one restaurant. Do you have other restaurants that use your flour?
1: Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, we have restaurants all all across the country. Amazingly, that's awesome. Yeah, um, definitely a lot of Arizona restaurants, and those are the ones that I'm more familiar with and get to go to, which is which is always so fun to like go to a restaurant and get to eat like food made with the flour. And yeah. and um, So, but yeah, that when we, when we restarted Hayden flour mills, it had been closed for like 20 years at that point. Um, and it had been, it had been sold off. It had been really like declining since the seventies. So in that sense, we, there was not a continuous like issue of, Um, having to change people's idea of and flower mills, but that really helped us start because people had a lot of nostalgia for the brand. Mm -hmm. And um, the rose that's on our packaging, the Arizona rose flower was their most iconic brand. And whenever Arizona, you know, native people see that they're just like, Oh my gosh, that was, my mom always uses that flower. My uncle worked for Hidden Flower Mills, so there's a lot of, like, this affection and nostalgia for the business.
0: Mm-hmm. That's sweet.
1: Yeah, so it was really sweet. And so, yeah, but it's kind of, like, as a national brand, it's like, why is there this rose? But it when I, I tried to get rid of the rose, I was like, let's just, like, go completely different, like, just part ways with the past, but couldn't do it. I came back to the rose after this whole exercise of rebranding and, um, it just, yeah, that felt right. And I'm really glad we did, even though, you know, it doesn't necessarily make ton of sense, but it does, um, connect us to the past. And yeah, so people, but people are really ready for something new with flower. I think, I don't know, maybe, and as you talk to people that are doing things with heritage greens, like it, the timing was just right with, you know, you had this, like, interest in heirloom tomatoes and heirloom beans and all these other foods that people were just starting to realize, like, we've destroyed the, the diversity and everything's become a monoculture and everything tastes the same and it's really sad and boring. So I think grains are kind of just next on the list um, of, of things to explore. So, yeah, so people were pretty... Um, and in that sense we were really lucky. Like people like, like we look back, we were just so it's just hilarious, like all the things that like our big breaks were just so accidental and very Yeah, like we got into Whole Foods early on and they just like kept begging us to come in the store. And we are like, No, 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 like oh, sounds really hard, <laughs> like we can't do that. <laughs> and so they Someone at the store, like, held my hand. She did all the paperwork with me um, and explained how to do everything. And now, like, Whole food has completely changed. And we wouldn't, like, we would never be able to get, well, We maybe, but it'd be so much harder to get in the store now. But because, I don't know, just at that time, we sort of, like, well, so there's a lot of things like that where it wasn't like we were really savvy or, like, had a strategy at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, I will say we did always focus on our product. Like we we focused on our craft, you know. So Yeah. And exactly. I think
0: that I mean that first is like totally important too. And I think as a person who's like started things for other people and like starting things for myself, it's Mm -hmm. definitely hard to like market yourself because I just like thought about this the other day is like, I'm starting this like new venture and I'm like trying to start my own little like business. But then at the same time, I'm I'm, like scared. Like when you're like, I don't want to do that. That sounds really hard. That sounds difficult. But like, I can feel the weight of like what it could potentially be and it's just kind of scary a little bit and so I'm sure that's kind of probably how you guys felt maybe you still feel that way um some days when you're like I don't that sounds difficult that sounds like overwhelming but when people are excited for you and that you already have a great product man it means the world and I think that's like the whole community aspect of it too is like we want you here (laughs) come Um,
1: yeah yeah and I oh yeah and at this point we can't quit
0: because I don't know what we could eat. Oh, uh, yes, true. <laughs> um, yeah. What, um, what has someone made with your product that has, like, completely blown you away? Because I've made, like, bread and pasta, and you said that pasta is one of your favorite things to make with your flour. But is there something that somebody made, and you're like, look what they did that you, like, didn't think of at all?
1: Yeah. Um. Something that comes to mind is a chef that used our purple barley to make Orchata, so you like made wow yeah. yeah a drink like basically made milk I guess out of the yeah. so that was really really cool I made I, I got the recipe and made it at home and it was really delicious um I guess there's a whole like you can make like barley teas and there's a whole bunch of like barley tradition of barley drinks um that is the best when someone does takes your product and transforms it
0: well, especially like someone that you probably don't know or that you like never met before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what I mean. I love Instagram for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love when people tag or show us what they've made.
0: Um, that, That's awesome. That still doesn't get old. What, um, so pasta, is, is that your favorite thing to make with your flour currently? Is the pasta? Yes. Oh, what yeah. kind of pasta do you make?
1: Oh, well. I I've, I've been like trying to challenge myself to do harder harder stuff. Um have you ever heard of Pasta Grannies on YouTube? <laughs>
0: no. Oh yeah, no I have. Yeah.
1: They yeah, it's, kind of, it's like a YouTube show and they just show all these Italian nuns like making these beautiful pastas. So, I don't know, I'm just really into like pasta tools and pasta shapes <laughs> I, I've i been doing I have a pasta guitar and it makes the square like a long square noodle and I I'm re- yeah I really like that one right now I've been trying that it's just it's like sourdough bread you get kind of obsessed like okay that one wasn't right okay next time I'm gonna do this and yeah so
0: Does your dad like making pasta as much as you or does he just enjoy the pasta that you make?
1: Yeah, he's been really into pasta as well right now. Um, He got Salty Seattle's new book. um, It's like Pasta Pretty Please. And it's all about colored pasta doughs. And you add like beet and um, matcha and turmeric and make all these different colors. And um, he's been doing that with my son to kind of get him excited about food and he loves, you know, like, oh, it's pink pasta and all this, you know, all the colors. So we've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, So yeah, it's a little bit like her pasta. um, I don't know if you've ever seen stuff. Yeah,
0: I do follow her. She has and she uses like all natural colors, like you're saying. And (laughs) I think she's the first person that I saw use butterfly pea flower to make something purple because I was always wondering or purple or blue. And I was always wondering how to make purple or blue naturally and yeah. here she was
1: <laughs> yeah it's so fun I yeah so and then it it's perfect like for kids too you know it's, yeah Element um, of yeah so um yes yeah, so I think it, it's everything from like traditional pasta shapes to crazy colors <laughs> so but yeah I think because um Arizona we grow really nice Durham so that kind of it, the pasta pasta fits we have um <laughs> pasta extruders and a dryer and so we're always tinkering and hoping to release a dried pasta product at some point um but i i think i've been saying that for a few years now so
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay so one of my last questions for you is what is next for hayden Flour mills
1: so many things uh it's so hard well we just i just hired a general manager which is awesome like wow, I would just recommend that to any anyone <laughs> that's running a business and getting overwhelmed, but she keeps us focused, which is very sad, um, because normally I'd answer this question like, we're going to make pasta, we're going to make a million, we're going to make cookies, we're going to do all this stuff, but um, we have to be more focused now and like not be starting a million projects. Um but I do think the next stage for us is to kind of grow up as a business, a, a boring answer. It's not like a new exciting grain product or grain variety, but it's to kind of settle in and grow up and and and
0: become excellent in what we do. No, I think that that is not a boring <laughs> answer. That is a great answer. <laughs> yeah so okay so you said something else that now I have uh, another last question okay. maybe um so I don't know how many people are uh doing what you're doing just because I am not like familiar with it at all but mm-hmm. I guess what kind of um advice would you give to somebody else who is milling their own flour trying to like sell to businesses because you just said like Hiring a general manager to get you focused. Because I I do know whenever you are the leader, like, you have so many ideas. And it is so nice to, like, have someone come alongside you and be like, let's do this first. Let's do this second.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's been – it was such a, like, to kind of build the business to the point that we could hire someone to help us was um, such a milestone. Um. But, yeah, I mean, the – it wasn't, you know, the first few years were hard and, but they were also so fun and in some ways even better, you know, because that's when you really get your hands dirty. And, um, I loved milling and packaging and, and those are things I don't really get to do as often anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I think just doing the work and, you know, we didn't, we didn't have packaging till five years in we just put a sign up so things that (laughs) you think that those are the things you start with you know um but instead starting with the product and the flower and just throw your flower in a coffee bag and handwrite on it letting that product speak for itself I think is um probably the most important And yeah working with like farmers your community um I think that's that's so. That's fun. People love that idea of like your bread, your flour is grown here. Was you know your bread was made here. Like you get to go to the farmers market and just enjoy it and eat it. So yeah,
0: that's, yeah. yeah boils down to delicious bread and pasta. <laughs> Sounds so simple, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's so <laughs> that is awesome, and I loved hearing your story as a person who is on the other side of the country making using your flower and then just like looking at it and then just like briefly like kind of reading your story and then wanting to know more so thanks so much for agreeing to talk to me (laughs) thanks so much for sharing
1: i'm I'm honored that you asked me to be (laughs) on
0: thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to emma for allowing me to share more of your story on my tiny platform I felt like after this interview I had such a greater appreciation for the ingredients I use and understanding of where they came from. Make sure you're following Hayden Flour Mills and if you get the opportunity to try any of their flours, please do it and let me know what you make with it. As always, if you know of a baker or pastry chef that you absolutely love, I would love to hear more of their story and if you know the people Behind the ingredients those bakers or pastry chefs are using, I would also love to hear their story. Let me know. Thanks, guys!